1: Sports Yak Podcast on the studio DNA Podcast Network. I'm Jimmy Shorts. Sports Yak is brought to you by Rabbit Wigs. Put that rabbit in a wig. Call for a fitting today. 574 Rabbits. Here's Chuck and Corey. Well, what do they don't use their last names now? They're, they're that popular, they just go Chuck and Corey. No, they're not that popular. Use your last names, guys, for a couple of years at least.
2: All right, let's put this bad boy into drive. Here comes
0: episode 83 of the Sports Yak. 83? Why, that's the mad stork, Ted Hendricks. (laughs) The mad stork. Big, tall defensive end for the Raiders. I think Ted Hendricks... Was a field goal blocking machine back in the day. He blocked a mind boggling 25 field goals in his 15 year NFL career, eight time Pro Bowler, NFL Hall of Fame. He's the mad stork. He's Ted Hendricks.
2: <laughs> On today's program, football, golf, basketball, firings. Uh, it is Friday, so we'll take a visit to Sportscaster's Camp. What's our favorite song from 1983 to be thematic with episode 83? I've got a couple in my mind, and I'm going to have to come to a decision once this program wraps up. We'll try to give you some time
0: to think about that as we talk sports in the meanwhile.
2: Let's start with the Blue-Gold game. That's the closest to our neighborhood here in South Bend, Indiana. Why don't you talk a little bit about, in case someone that listens to sports, Yak, I don't know what the Blue-Gold game is if they're outside of our area.
0: Spring football game at the University of Notre Dame, every... College has its own spring game. I believe IU will have its spring game tomorrow as well. Uh, but for Notre Dame, they've done some different formats over the year, but they're basically going to go the offense versus the defense. And you say, well, that seems unfair because how's the defense going to score any points unless they intercept a pass and run it back for a touchdown or something. But they they give the defense points for things like three and out or forcing a fumble or forcing a turnover, things like that. So, Usually it winds up being somewhat competitive. The offense is always going to have the upper hand in this. Uh, But it's your chance to see, okay, here are some players that I would like to focus on and see how they do out there on the field. Usually the MVP of the blue-gold game is somebody that you never see again in an Irish uniform. However, (laughs) uh, let's start on the offensive
2: side of the ball. Let me ask you this real quick is the blue gold game a true practice or more
0: of a community minded
2: hey here's a good look at the football team up close
0: is there it, a percentage it's it's more of a community minded thing it is okay. not it is not really a legitimate practice we're not we're not seeing pedal to the floor full on you're seeing some of it but you're not seeing you're not seeing what you would see if the team did a scrimmage with nobody around okay okay so, and it is community-minded. It does raise money for scholarships for local kids to go to Notre Dame. I was a beneficiary of one of these scholarships. We invite you to go anyway. Twenty to 30,000 people will be there, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. It's going to be a nice, sunny, 50-degree day, perfect football weather. Okay. So offensively, let's start at the quarterback position because that's where the eyes always go. Ian Book, how much progress has he made Since last season, Chip Long, the offensive coordinator, talking yesterday about how he wants Book to be a little more aggressive, throw the deep ball a little bit more often. Risk taker. Yeah. Become somebody. He he compares Ian Book's knowledge of the offense as a senior-to-be with Phil Jerkovic as a sophomore-to-be as calculus versus basic math. Okay. So... Okay, Ian Book, you're the calculus student. Let's see what you can do out here, and let's see how you handle some things. Now, obviously, a quarterback's only going to be as good as, A, his offensive line in front of him. you got four starters returning, new center in Jared Patterson. How does he handle the quarterback-center exchanges? Running back. Well, Nerdame does have J- Jafar Armstrong, who has emerged as the number one. Has a lot more speed than Tony Jones Jr. Tony Jones Jr., more of a workhorse back that you can run at number two, kind of inside the tackles. And then a bevy of people fighting for that number three spot. Of course, quarterback needs to have good receivers. You lose Miles Boykin from last year. You do have Chase Claypool. All reports say that he has had an outstanding spring. Chris Fink is back, so you've got two of your starters back at receiver. They're looking for a speed guy to emerge as the third guy. Is it going to be Michael Young? Is it going to be Kevin Austin? Is it going to be Braden Lindsey? Is it going to be Joe Wilkins Jr.? We don't know. You'll probably get a chance to see all of them tomorrow. Anything that happens tomorrow really doesn't matter. And then tight end. Uh, You've got Cole Komet, who has emerged as the number one tight end, but he's been banged up. I don't know how much he's going to actually scrimmage tomorrow. Brock Wright. And then uh, a young man by the name of Tommy Trumbull, who's a little small for the tight end spot. But, you know, one of the things Brian Kelly likes about him, because he's small, he's a little bit quicker, and he can get out in space as a blocker. So there might be some things that they can run for him. So offensively, uh, the Irish seem pretty well set. What about on the defensive side of the ball? At the end, you've got guys like uh, Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara, who are terrific pass rushers. Both of them have been somewhat limited in the spring because of little nicks and bruises. And both of them are pretty well etched into the starting lineup anyway. One of my questions is who's going to be in the middle of that defensive line? You know, last year they had Jerry Tillery. And Jerry Tillery just ate up offensive lineman, You know, he would occupy two offensive linemen, and that freed up other players to make tackles. So who's going to fill that role? Linebacker is a huge question mark for this team, and Clark Lee admitted yesterday it is still a work in progress, that they aren't there yet. You may even see Paul Moala, the former Penn High School star, get some time at one of the linebacker spots tomorrow or at the Rover spot, So keep an eye on Paul. See how he does. Back end of the defense, I think, looks pretty good, especially when you've got Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott back at the safety positions. But what about the cornerbacks? You know, they're matching up with these Notre Dame receivers. How's Troy Pride Jr. going to do? How's Houston Griffith going to do? How about Sean Crawford coming back from injury? Those are all the kinds of things that you can keep an eye on tomorrow.
2: Uh, A point of tension for any Notre Dame fan would
0: be special teams. You're not going to see a whole lot of special teams in the blue gold game. Okay. Now, one thing is, though, and and you bring up a very valid point. Not only has that been a point of tension, but usually that's been a point of tension from the standpoint of the return game. Okay. This year, it's a point of tension because you lose Tyler Newsom, your punter, and you lose Justin Union, your place kicker. So now you've got to replace. Both of those guys, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on. How Brian Polian, the special teams coach, handles that as we go into the fall.
2: So you're going tomorrow. Are you taking it in as a fan, as a,
0: a sportscaster, as a, a, a collection of both. Well, I'm going in a working capacity, but I, I think you tend to to take it in as a collection of both, but more from a working capacity. I I want to see how some things look. I'm really interested in in that linebacker position Mm -hmm. and and who might have a good day to kind of set themselves apart from the others. Uh, I'm curious as to that third receiver, who might have a good day, knowing that who has a good day in the Blue-Gold game. Uh, One of my first encounters with the Blue-Gold game my freshman year at Notre Dame, we lived in a section. In a section, there's probably I don't know 20, 25 guys that live in a section. Mm-hmm. One of them was a guy named Thought Wright. Thought was a walk on football player from North Carolina. Well, Thought returned a kickoff 99 yards for a touchdown in the Blue Gold game, and everybody's talking to Thought after the game, and you know all of us in the section are like, "Oh man, our guy, our guy had a 99 yard kickoff return. He's gonna be." Crazy. Never played
2: it down <laughs> Mount right is not right yeah <laughs> that's cool
0: uh do you have access to coaches and players tomorrow do you we'll hear from Brian Kelly afterwards okay. We'll get to talk to a couple of the players so yeah we'll if we get a chance we'll try to post some of those things on the ever popular forty six sports Twitter and Facebook accounts. The Masters this weekend. We have not talked much golf on this program, but if you're ever going to talk about it, this is the weekend. This is the one that everybody likes to watch, and especially with a rainy Palm Sunday forecast in Michigan, I imagine a lot of fellas will, and, and ladies will be plopped down on the couch watching the final round of the Masters. Yesterday, Brooks Kepka. strapping lad, he's lost about 20 pounds, got tried to get himself in shape for the ESPN body issue that they do. They wanted Brooks Kepka to be a part of that mountain of a guy, about six, five wide shoulders, and he can strike the golf ball a long, long way, which fares you well at many courses, Augusta national being one of those. So he shot a six under par 66 yesterday, as did Bryson DeChambeau. But, um, The veterans also got some headlines. Phil Mickelson was minus five. That's his best first round of a Masters ever. Tiger Woods was minus two, and, man, he missed some makeable putts yesterday. He could have played a much better round than that. So can the veterans put the pressure on the younger guys like DeChambeau and Kepka and make this a really interesting weekend? We will find out. The course... Plays differently depending on pin placements and depending on weather conditions. Weather today is supposed to be almost ideal down at Augusta National. I haven't checked the weekend forecast, but we'll see. But there were some awfully low scores yesterday. You don't normally see an opening round 66 at Augusta. You're hired. You're fired. You're hired. You're fired. You're hired. You're fired. Basketball coaching carousel (laughs) is turning indeed. Steve Alford. The former IU star, was at UCLA, was fired midway through the season. He's the new head coach at Nevada, a uh, team in the Mountain West Conference that has had a pretty good legacy and tradition in basketball. So he lands on his feet. The The big question for me happens in the NBA. Yesterday uh, was a dark Thursday for many coaches. You, you have come to expect this when the regular season ends. If your team doesn't make the playoffs, many times you get the boot. And so Memphis, Sacramento, and Cleveland all made moves yesterday. Sacramento, a little bit surprising because that's the best year that they've had in some time. But it seems like Vlade Divac, the general manager there, Wants to kind of consolidate his power base and uh, see how things are going to shape up around him. So he wanted to get rid of people that he felt were going against him and one of those was his head coach. But also just as intriguing is the fact that the Chicago Bulls coming off a 22 win season. By the way kids you play 82 games in the NBA. The Bulls lost 60 games last year. Midway through the year, they brought in Jim Boylan as the interim coach. And they must have been so impressed with the way Jim Boylan guided them to part of their 22 wins for the year that they gave him a three-year extension. John Paxson, whom I've played in a game of horse, John Paxson, the general manager of the Bulls, said at a press conference yesterday he believes the building blocks are there for the Bulls to make a playoff run in 2020. And I say to John Paxson,
1: Are you high?
2: Maybe Jim Boylan's going to have a one-on-one with this new Japanese uh, robot that can shoot the basket. You I see would all rather that see
0: five of those Japanese <laughs> robots on the floor than most of the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> And I wouldn't know the difference anyway. True. Oh my gosh! It. I just. I feel for those who live and die with the Bulls, because. And I. I read an article about one of these people earlier this year who had sent, who had sent a complaint letter to, um, Jerry Reinsdorf's son Michael, who is helping run the Bulls. And Michael Reinsdorf invited him to his suite for a game, and they and they talked about things, and they watched the game together, and and. You know, the the guy came away impressed, and he goes, oh, I didn't realize Bulls management cared that much. It's not just enough to care. You have to know what you're doing. And right now, I am not convinced that anybody in the Chicago Bulls organization has any clue as to what they are doing.
2: It's tough because we've lived through a, a season of life where they were really, really, really good.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you the Jordans and Pippins don't come along that often. I get that. However, you got to be able to do better than what they have done. Let's switch on over to baseball. Baseball! Cubs looked good last night as uh, Jose Quintana had the best outing of any Cubs pitcher so far this year in a 2-0 victory over Pittsburgh. Quintana goes seven innings. He fans 11. The Cubs bullpen has improved, Corey. They haven't given up a run this week. Guess who got a new Rizzo shirt in the mail yesterday? Who? Not me. Oh. The adult small. Well, that's not going to work for you. Yeah, no, That's all right. But anyway. Uh, he got a good report card. So four and eight are the Cubs right now. The Angels, Mike Trout and company, coming into Wrigley Field this weekend for their first visit to Chicago in many a year. I don't know how healthy Trout is, though, so... I don't know how much he's going to play this weekend. And given the weather forecast, I'm not sure how much the Cubs will play on Sunday. But the Cubs looking better. The White Sox, the struggle bus continues. They were swept by Tampa Bay. Detroit, the best looking of our three area teams right now. They've got a reliever, by the way, Corey, by the name of Shane Green. Mm -hmm. He leads the American League in saves. Uh, The one thing about the Tigers, they don't score a lot of runs, but they don't give up that many either. So their games are usually done fairly quickly. Yesterday they were shut out by Cleveland 4-0, so they fall to second place in the American League Central. But at least with the young pitching and and this young man out of the pen, uh, it gives the Tigers a little bit of hope, I think, in the AL Central. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Uh, I have a handful of
2: secondary market apps on my phone. Ticket sales. Game time is one of my favorites. I've used it probably about a dozen times. Mm-hmm. You can go to today's game for $9. At Wrigley? Yeah. Yeah. 9 $7, $12. You're, uh, yeah, I'm 200s. Speaking of baseball, can I give a little something here? Please do. A friend of mine reached out to me and said, hey, you'd you'd love this documentary. I watched it with my wife. It was fantastic. I can't say the title over there, but I can say it here. The Battered Bastards of Baseball, starring Biff Russell, former actor, uh, dad of Kurt Russell, Okay, who decided to put a baseball team in Portland, Oregon, after the minor league team quit or got moved out. I cannot believe this has not been made into a major motion picture. Whether or not someone would go see a baseball movie again, a la Major League... Bull Durham, you know that type of thing. This is this has got a movie in the making. So, give me the basic plot without giving the whole thing away. Bad news bears for strictly adults. Okay, and uh, open, open tryouts. Thinking maybe thirty or forty will show up. Hundreds show up to play the game. A former pitcher from the Yankees shows up. After being ostracized for writing a book called Ball 4. Jim Bouton. He starts pitching for the team. They start making money. And they become this... So this is a true story? True story in the 70s, late 70s. Okay. And Biff wants a every player on that team to connect with some member of the audience coming in. Not just one or two stars. Let's find somebody that everyone's going to... Somebody in the audience thought, "Oh, I love that guy. I love that guy." Yeah, and then just the crazy stuff they would do to to entertain the game. And there's a great story about uh, setting brooms on fire, and it's 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 a really great 80 minute documentary. Wow, which okay. I I'd, I'd never heard of this story before. And this is on the
0: flickers of net.
2: It is on Netflix. The battered bastards of baseball.
0: Let me ask you this: you you talked about. Each fan was, was given a player, you know, Yeah. Or, or the players were supposed to connect with the fans. And you mentioned that uh, your son got a Rizzo jersey in the mail. Mm-hmm. Who would be the player that you would connect with the most right now?
2: Who's, Zobrist. Zobrist? Ben Zobrist. Okay. I would love—I uh, I posted this on my Facebook page this morning. If you could sit down and chat with somebody for an hour on a park bench— I'd love to chat with him about his career and from where we sit, it seems like he does a good job of balancing his faith and his family and the playing of the game. I just like to hear how it's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like him. I like him a lot. I, I wouldn't mind having a
0: conversation with Joe Madden. Oh, uh, you'd find a conversation with Joe Madden. Fascinating. Yeah. I had a, maybe a five minute one with him. He, uh, he and some of the cubs, when my son was having his leg surgery about five years ago, Joe had just been hired. And he and some of the cubs came over to the hospital where my son was, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they told the people on our floor, okay, the cubs are gonna be here, we're gonna have a little reception downstairs, and then you can you can hang out with the players and, and Joe Madden came over. So I knew he was from Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Um, And another famous son of Hazleton, Pennsylvania is Dicker Phelps. So I sidled over by Joe and I said, you ever run into Dicker Phelps? And he, you know, that kind of got him going a little bit. And I mentioned, you know, my connections yes. and everything. And so we, we, but he is a fascinating guy. He's got, he's got some different thought processes going yes. on. And that's part of what's made him successful is he kind of, I guess the term is, thinks outside the box a little bit. Now, some people think he thinks outside the box a little too much, and sometimes should come back to a little more conventional thinking. Um, But I think you'd find him a a fascinating guy to talk to.
2: Any any player or coach that lives out their faith, and we get to see little snapshots of that, I just, I'm inquisitive. I want to know where they met Christ, where... Where the faith crossroad was, you know, whether it be Dabo or Tony Bennett, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Uh, you know, you read a, a great article to us off the air the other day about being a, a man of faith. His mo- The whole story of his mom. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's mom, that, yeah. That whole story would be fascinating to hear. But anytime somebody, uh, a person of faith, is got that kind of influence and that kind of platform, mm-hmm. I'm just very inquisitive. Like, okay, how does that work? Sure. And maybe they're very introverted with it. And, you know, it's like you don't even know, or it's like, well, when opportunity strikes, you know, I, I, I get to live it out loud. So I'm, I like that kind of person.
0: Absolutely. I think if I were to, you know, my favorite team is obviously the Cubs. If you haven't picked up on that, listening to the yak, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a player though, that I, I connect with right now. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know, but it's, and you're, you're probably a decade and a half older than most of them. Would
2: John Lester be the closest?
0: Uh, well, Zobrist is probably the closest in age. Yeah. I think he's the oldest of the Cubs.
2: I did have a trivia question for you on the way in. Who's the oldest active player right now? On the Cubs um, or in, in, baseball? in baseball?
0: I'll Google that while you work okay. on your
2: answer for who you want to sit down
0: with. Um, if Well, see, sitting down with somebody or the player that I just – Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, who you connect with. I'm sorry. Baez Baez is the guy that brings my eyes to the screen because on any given night, he can do something spectacular or he can do something head-shakingly dumb. Uh, For instance, last night in the game against Pittsburgh, the Cubs have runners at second and third, one out. Javi's at the plate. Javi hits a ground ball to third. Javi is convinced that the ball hit him in the foot on the way out to third base. In the meantime, the runner comes home. He's trying to score. They throw out the runner at the plate. Javi has not moved. He's still in the batter's box. So it winds up being a double play. Nobody scores because he never moved. And it's like, Javi, what are you doing? (laughs) but then he'll hit these awesome home runs or make these incredible defensive plays it's like yeah
1: that's my that's my
0: guy and i i think he he is like so much of my life it's either uh yay or what are you doing
2: <laughs> uh ichiro was 43 but he stepped out right ichiro yeah okay <laughs> Bartolo Colon? Uh, Bartolo Colon. I knew it. Bartolo Colon.
0: 43. Bartolo Colon. Bartolo Colon. Or Bartolo, Bartolo Colon. Colon. <laughs> and his De- brother's semi.
2: <laughs> Derrick Rose, Wade Rose.
0: Who are the basketball players I got screwed up with? Dwayne
2: Wade, Dwayne, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose and uh, Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose, yeah. Derrick Rose. They're all the same. Bartolo Cullen is forty three <laughs> with the Atlanta Braves. Well, I don't
0: know that he's actually with the Braves right now.
2: I can't find. Uh, let's see here. R. A. Dickey is forty two with R. the Braves. R. A. Dickey, I think, is still
0: active. Is yeah. Koji still pitching for the Cubs?
2: No, he's forty two. Let's go to MLB. Here's... yeah,
0: there aren't that there aren't that many. No, a lot of the guys have retired. Ichiro would have been the the number one. Fernando Rodney? Yes, he's still pitching. Okay. Yep. And then uh,
2: Albert? Pujols. Pujols is number yeah. three. Ridge mm-hmm. Hill, number four. Eric Kratz up with the Brewers, number five.
0: Okay. There you go.
2: Who's the youngest?
0: Um. Oh, gosh. The Braves, I think, have some kid that's like 19 or something like that. Maybe he's 20 by now. The Braves have a lot of good young players. They're going to be heard from for years to come. Fernando Tatis? Fernando Tatis with the San Diego Padres played at Fort Wayne just a year or two ago. Okay. Yeah, up-and-coming star. His dad played in the major leagues, too. Fernando Tatis Sr. You want to touch on local baseball? Season really getting cranked up. New Prairie was off to a good start, 6-0, and and then they ran into a buzzsaw from Mishawaka on Wednesday. Sam Shively and Ryan Watt combined for the win, and the Cavemen uh, pick up a 5-1 victory there. Last night, Warsaw got a walk-off hit from John Erlinger and beat Huntington North by a count of 2-1. to So still getting a feel of who the really good teams are. I think Penn's going to be solid again? They've got a kid named Ryan Lynch who could be gone in the major league draft. He's committed to Notre Dame. We'll see if he winds up there. He had two homers the other day against Lakeshore and picked up the mound win as well. He's a lefty who throws in the nineties. Uh, that's going to get you a look.
2: You think he could be a linchpin for the state championship, Chuck? Yeah. Now, when you're talking about throwing in the nineties, you mean a little Soundgarden, a little Pearl Jam?
0: No. So, you've got that going on, which is nice. Um, (laughs) As you look around the area, Northwood has a pretty solid baseball team this year. Matt Dutkowski, Jaden Miller, a couple of good players on that squad. Panthers are a perennial sectional contender. And, of course, softball getting cranked up as well. Penn has another solid team, although they took a – a tough loss early in the year, and it dropped them down in the rankings. St. Joe, I believe, is ranked uh, number four overall. They're 3-1 and one on the year. It's still early in the season, so we'll see. Oh, also, if, if you're keeping an eye on the local high school scene, keep an eye on a young man by the name of Kevin Crutch. He's a high jumper over at Penn. He's already gone six eight this year, which, considering the weather conditions we've had, is impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to remember that a couple of years ago, there was a young man from Plymouth, Nathan Patterson, who's now at USC, who went, I believe, 7-2 to win the state title. So uh, Crutch still has some room to move up, but he's, that Crutch is somebody that the Penn track team can lean on.
1: Professor Chuck's sportscaster camp segment is brought to you by Beaver Island Casino. Head to Charlevoix, then get in a boat and go north,
2: and you'll run into an island called Beaver Island. Get off and, well, you made it. It's time for that segment that Chuck pretty much wishes would go away, but do since we do have a sponsor in the Jim Shorts Beaver Island Casino, it's time for Sportscasters
0: Camp. Uh, I would say try to cry during your Hall of Fame acceptance speech.
2: Try to cry during your – first of all, that's a huge <laughs> goal to shoot for, Hall of Fame. But then to tear up during that. Yeah, that, that would yes. be good.
0: That would be good. All
2: right, let's wipe that clear. Give us something. Something to be a great sportscaster.
0: Well, we've we've talked about a number of different things already. And I really should come prepared for these, since preparation is one of the things that I talk about. Let me ask you in this, sportscasters. Let me ask you this and see if
2: you'll you'll go off on this. Uh, pay attention, uh, pay attention to detail. Would you agree?
0: Well, yeah, I think as you, especially when you are working in radio, there are all kinds of things that you can do to paint the picture for your listener. How many steps off the line is the third baseman? How deep are the outfielders? Uh, are they playing the hitter to hit up the middle? You know what? Give me the location of the fielders. Wind blowing out, wind blowing in, that's going to make a, a difference in thing. What about the, the shadows? Are they starting to make an impact on the game? There are all kinds of little things that you can point out that help bring that picture for the radio listener to life. Again, on TV... You don't necessarily have to talk about these things. But in radio especially, that's part of what makes a good radio broadcaster is painting that picture.
2: You mentioned the TV. I noticed a very lengthy uh, break during the Notre Dame women's basketball game during an injured player segment, and nobody said anything. And just kind of, I think it was out of respect, mm-hmm. out of not knowing – now, I don't want to say not knowing what to say, but they didn't know the magnitude of the injury yet. Correct. But it was just a moment of let's just take this in because it felt like if they hadn't
0: started talking, had start, it would have just been kind of fluffy, blah, thrown away stuff. Right, right, no. And there is a time, especially in television, to be silent, Yes. to let the pictures tell the story or to let the crowd noise tell the story. Uh, I told this story in my acceptance speech. Uh, Dick Enberg, who was a brilliant, brilliant sportscaster and was pretty much the top dog at NBC, and he would come in and do college basketball games, and I had the pleasure of being his statistician, I'd say three or four times um, while I was a student at Notre Dame. and He would do the games with Al McGuire. And when there would be a big moment... Enberg would stick both of his arms out as though to tell everybody around him, stop, don't say a word. And he would hold both, almost like a symphony conductor. Conductor, yes. And that was basically, don't say a word, just let the pictures and the crowd noise tell the story. And to me, the master of it is Scully. Scully, even on radio, knew when to lay out. This week marked the 45th anniversary of Hank Aaron's 715th home run. And if you listen to Scully's call of Aaron's 715th home run, I believe there is a 45 minute, 45 second, excuse me, gap between him saying, the ball is gone and the next time he talks and in that time you hear the crowd going nuts you hear the fireworks going off you just you have this feeling like you're at the event even though you might be listening on a transistor radio 3000 miles away and that my friends is artistry
1: one ball and no strikes Aaron waiting the outfield deep and straight away Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. Marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a
0: Wow. Yeah. That was lengthy. It was lengthy, a lengthy layout, but then listen to how he summed that up and put it into historical context. Yes. We're talking about 1974. Just six years after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, there were still a lot of racial tensions in this country. Henry Aaron received hate mail because he was a black man breaking Babe Ruth's record, and Scully puts it into the historical context. We're in the Deep South. We're in Atlanta, where the you know the heart of the Confederacy and a black man gets a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking an icon's record. That's good stuff. That's why he's been Scully.
2: Yeah, that's good stuff right there. All right.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Thanks for sharing.
2: 1983, the theme for our 83rd episode, we uh, wanted to pick our favorite song from each year, and before we started the record button on this episode, we had ourselves a little bit of a tough time.
0: Did you narrow it down to one?
2: I've got one. I've okay. got one, and my parameter was, and I stuck to it, one that I still t- go to to this day above all else and enjoy thoroughly. But, uh, you know, the Hall of Famer first.
0: Oh, no, I have to go first. Wow.
2: Unless you want me to go. I got mine ready. Go ahead. I got mine ready. Go ahead. <laughs> This to me is the summer of 1983. Def Leppard. It's such a cool. Maybe you remember the album cover. It's like a missile has gone into a building and blew up. Okay. And you see the the round uh, the targeting. But this is just this is just this to me is rock and roll. You got the dueling guitars. They come in together right here. Just... Let me skip ahead to the, the harmony part. Oh.
1: You say yeah?
2: You know, and the guy behind the wheel, behind the scenes, is the Brian Adams guy, the Shania Twain guy, the Nickelback guy, the ACDC back in black guy. Um, his name escapes me. Hang on a minute. Mutt Lang. Producer Mutt Lang. That, that sound, Chuck Breeby. So photograph Depp
0: Leopard. That's mine. Well, it was a time for throaty voices. Throaty voices. And there was no voice throatier, more passionate than the one of Bonnie Tyler in 1983 as she sang Total Eclipse of the Heart. Turn around, bright eyes. Turn around. Every
1: now and
0: then get a little bit and never And of course it builds to that thunderous crescendo. She's kind
2: of a female meatloaf. Where it starts real
0: small but then
2: it gets to this gigantic epic.
0: You have, you have no idea when you hear the beginning of this song yes. what the end of the song is going to be like. And even even here, yeah,
2: she's just dangling the carrot, yeah.
0: Oh, let's see here. Now she's getting cranked up. She's delivering it. Sing it,
1: buddy.
0: How many packs of cigarettes
2: before oh. this take? Oh, question eight. <laughs> Probably got a
0: Marlboro Burden right there there's in the studio. So mad, there's so much smoke coming out <laughs> of that studio. Love is
1: like a shadow on me all of the time. All of the time. I don't know what to do. I'm always in the dark. Living in a party
2: Giving off the spark. That is a good one. That's a good one,
0: Chuck Grebe. That, that's a roll down the windows in the summertime song. Oh, bring it down.
2: I was falling in love. Now, now I'm only falling, falling apart. apart. Oh, it's so good. So rich. And she had this giant hair mullet thing on the album cover. It's like it's alive and well today. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> probably, oh.
2: probably died blonde today. Come on now. Well, there's episode 83. I feel good about that. Do you? Yeah. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Rabbit Wigs. Put that rabbit in a wig. And the Sports, canter, <laughs> the sports, sports Cancer. Sports Cancer? The Sports Casters Camp Sponsor, that, Beaver Island Casino. That,
0: here's another. Here's next week's tip. Don't confuse Sports Cancer <laughs> with Sports Caster.
2: All right. There we go. Until next time, sports fans.
1: Ooga This is the Sports Yet Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good.
2: And the sports cancer. (laughs) Sports sports cancer? cancer?
0: Bartolo Colon. colon.